Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. Today on Foresight Friday Roundup, we're going to be talking about drugs. We're going to be talking about the prospects for a COVID-19 vaccine. We're going to be talking about the market response of drug companies to the coronavirus outbreak. And we're going to be talking about some of the unintended consequences of how drug companies are responding. As always, our resident experts on Foresight Friday Roundup to comment on these topics are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Gary Bisbee, co-founder and executive chairman of the Health Management Academy. Hello, Dave. Hello, Gary. How are you both doing? Doing great, Dave. Morning. Happy Friday. Happy Friday is right. Uh, Before we talk about vaccines and drug companies, this weekend, as you know, is Memorial Day weekend. Are are either of you planning to uh, go outside or in some way honor all the heroes uh, who have died in the service of our country? Well, in in our neighborhood, Dave, we've got the 57th annual Wiggums Memorial Day Parade. Uh, Wiggums stands for Wellington Oakdale Old Glory Marching Society. And uh, every year, uh, a few hundred people get together about a half a block from here in Wiggums Alley and and march to St. Joe's and uh, get popsicles and Jesse uh, White tumblers perform. And it's always a lot of fun, Uh, you know. And this, the slogan has always been, uh, everybody marches, nobody watches. So this year, um, it's going to be a virtual parade. And the slogan is now, everybody watches, uh, nobody marches. And we're going to have, uh, uh, you know, kids singing the national anthem, a tribute to the veterans. Uh, both Governor Pritzker and Mayor Lightfoot are going to make remarks. And then we'll have a performance of the Jesse White tumblers at the end. So <laughs> that's where I'm going to be at 11 a.m. on Monday. Very well organized. Yeah. yeah, I'm impressed. How about you, Gary? What are you up to? Yeah, our little parade here in New Canaan has been canceled, unfortunately. So we'll all be remembering uh, those that have given their lives for the country in our thoughts and prayers. That sounds great. I, I think we're going to make our, our kids who typically march in the Memorial Day Parade play their instruments inside to see if uh, they could still carry a tune. So You're going to break some glasses. If yeah, <laughs> it'll be real interesting. All right. Well, well Dave, the, the story this week seems to be the prospect for a COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, what have you seen uh, that makes you optimistic about that? And what have you seen that makes you skeptical? Let's start with reasons to be optimistic. After a slow start, the pharma industry's mobilization has been just remarkable. J&J, Gilead, Abbott have all jumped in with both feet along with almost every other of the major pharma companies and many small ones too. And they're attacking all aspects of the challenge, uh, you know, testing, treatment, vaccines, and so on. Uh, We saw the results this week from the Moderna uh, vaccine, early stages results, um, and uh, they were very promising. Stock price went through the roof. Uh, They're going to get a lot of government funding, so that one's going to be pushed hard and and hopefully we'll have positive results. You know, in many ways, this is big data and big science uh, going where medicine hasn't ever gone before, at least going there far faster than medicine has ever gone 
before. So it has a real moonshot quality to it, the whole exercise. And it's hard not to get excited by that. Um, you know, American uh, know-how and, and uh, gun-ho attitude, uh, along with the rest of the world, attacking a big problem. At the same time, lots of reasons to be pessimistic. Uh, there's never been a vaccine for a coronavirus. So scientists are starting from scratch. Even in the best of circumstances, producing a vaccine is a highly unpredictable process as the uh, testing goes through the various uh, stages. There are always surprises. Uh, and in this case, we're gonna need to develop multiple vaccines for the different types of recipients. So lots that can go wrong there and, and on this accelerated timetable, uh, very possible that it will get uh, delayed or, or waylaid in some form or another. And then once the vaccine is in place, there are another whole host of major issues, uh, manufacturing, uh, distribution, uh, prioritization of who receives the vaccine, balancing, uh, getting it to the greatest number with protecting those that are the most vulnerable, uh, education, you know, particularly addressing all the anti-vaccine um, um, people out there. And um, so as we sit here today, still relatively early in the corona crisis, it's like the uh, since we're talking about Memorial Day, it's like the soldiers in World War One, uh, you know, singing. It's going to be a long, long way to Tipperary. Gary, uh, same thing. What do you see happening on the, the vaccine front that gives you hope and uh, some things that give you pause? Well, over the course of the last several weeks, uh, I've had the good fortune to interview Albert Borla, the CEO of Pfizer, and Alex Gorski, the CEO of J&J and Julie Gerberding, a senior executive at Merck. And Julie, of course, was a CDC director for seven or eight years. So, and used to head up Merck's vaccines division. Each, each company has a different approach and is kind of at a different place along the line. For example, Pfizer has four candidates currently in process and at the same time, they're refitting certain of their manufacturing uh, in the hope that at least one of those four turns out to be uh, a good one, in which case they'll be ready to go on the manufacturing front. Jane Jay uh, just interviewed uh, Alex two days ago, and he's, he's committing to a billion doses being available by the end of 2021. Uh, J and J is a, just a machine in terms of their ability to produce and distribute. So um, the vaccine that they're starting with, or at least the formulation that they're starting with, is the one that they developed for Ebola, which has some similarities. Uh, so they're not starting from scratch. And then uh, Julie uh, was making the point that she really thought that it would be the end of 2021 before it was available, before a vaccine was available in any kind of volume. Um, the Moderna um, uh, vaccine is, I think, a bit early to tell. Uh, I've seen some indication that it is has a robust uh, immune reaction. Um, it, it's a two-dose vaccine. By the way, the J&J &J vaccine is probably a three-dose vaccine. So 
Um, you know, there's a lot of details here that need to be worked out. As Dave said, I'm, I'm optimistic. I think the issue is simply time frame. I don't think there's a question that we're going to have more than one vaccine. Uh, the question is, can you do it in a matter of months? And uh, that, that seems unlikely. But if we're thinking about uh, vaccines available in 2021 in some kind of volume, uh, I think the odds are pretty good, pretty good that we'll be able to uh, to reach that goal. Got it. Uh, Dave, do you think uh, the country is that patient, patient enough to wait that long? You know, that's an interesting question. I, I, I find this really interesting tension between the science of developing a vaccine and journalism, the media's coverage of, of it. They really don't <laughs> go together very well. I mean, journalists uh, like a clean story with a clear ending. And every time there's a bit of uh, progress, uh, there's almost this breath, breathless quality to the reporting. You know, it's just right over the horizon. And and scientists, uh, you know, kind of like Gary was just describing, are just this very methodical uh, pushing back against the unknown uh, each day, trying to learn a little bit more until they get enough accumulated knowledge to make some progress. It's a painstaking um, path fraught with with lots of twists and turns. And um, and I do worry that uh, the way we're covering this in the media is setting some some false expectations um, and also, you know, some some alarms um, among the anti-vaxxers. So uh, watching how that part of the drama plays out, uh, the coverage of this, I think, will be very important to how the public at large reaction, whether we are patient enough. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Well, why don't we move on to our, our second topic uh, related to the first? And that's how you think drug companies have responded from a market perspective during the pandemic. Uh, Gary, what, what do you think they should be congratulated for? And what do you think they should be criticized for? Well, I think in terms of COVID in particular, uh, I don't really see much they, that they should be, um, you know, somebody should have a problem with what they're doing. Uh, Gilead obviously stepped up and moved Remdesivir along. And although I don't know that that's, uh, a silver bullet at all, but it does seem to shorten hospital stays. Um, I know that we're working with Merv, Pfizer, and Lilly, who made their physicians and nurses available to work in hospitals, and the academy is acting as an intermediary to uh, connect doctors and nurses from those drug companies with hospitals that need them. Um, so that was, I think, uh, a good sign that they're thinking about the community. And uh, as Dave said earlier, you know, they're working on vaccines and everybody's kind of pushing in that direction. So uh, I don't know what the status of uh, drugs beyond this remdesivir is. Uh, I'm sure they're all working on it. That's obviously a lot longer uh, pathway than vaccines. So it'll be a while before uh, we know anything there, but um, I, I don't think there's any reason to criticize the drug companies at this point. 
Got it. Uh, Dave, how would you grade the marketplace response of drug companies to the pandemic and why? And uh, do you see any uh, unintended consequences of how they're reacting and behaving? Uh, I, I agree with Gary. It's hard to uh, to fault their um, response. I, I think in many ways uh, they're using uh, coronavirus as an opportunity to burnish a tarnished image um, since there's been so much negative focus on drug prices, um, opioids, and, and so on. Um, and quite honestly, I'm, I'm excited by the fact that uh, we're seeing big pharma uh, focus on uh, vaccines, a, a, you know, a broad public health goal. Uh, vaccines haven't been a very good business for pharma because uh, uh, once a, a pandemic has gone away, the need for the vaccine diminishes. Uh, it's also usually, you know, uh, one and done or two shots and done or three shots and done, as, as, uh, as Gary was describing before. Uh, I'm hopeful that um, we'll see uh, similar efforts, for example, pointed toward developing a whole new uh, round of, of antibiotics uh, that we can use broadly to uh, to treat disease. Uh, it would be good to see pharma as focused or more focused on these broad public health concerns as they currently have been on, on treating orphan diseases. And I, I think maybe bigger picture, um, another thing that makes me optimistic is just like what happened with Sputnik in the 1950s, where we got surprised uh, by the Soviets' uh, entry into space, uh, and that ushered in uh, a commitment to science and, um, and engineering, uh, that this is the type of crisis that could capture the public's attention and create the next generation of, of uh, scientists, engineers. Uh, a lot of it's going to be data-driven that... Um, can really revolutionize the way uh, we we live, work, and play in the world. So maybe that that's uh, an unexpected positive good consequence from all of this. So that sounds what like B plus A minus range. Dave? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great, uh, Gary. Do you agree with the that grade that Dave just gave out? Yeah, absolutely. I think Dave makes a really good point. He was talking specifically about scientists reacting to the COVID crisis and. Uh, let's extend that a bit to caregivers, Dave, because yeah. I think that uh, we'll see doctors and people drawn into medicine and nursing and so on as a result of this, which will certainly be a positive. Um, and just going back a minute, Dave was making a point about the media uh, and they like a nice clean story and an ending to it, I, which I totally agree with that. And Dave, we might include politicians in that. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know that the, that the public has any option here. They're going to have to wait until a vaccine is developed. Uh, but how the media treats that, how our politicians treat that is, um, is probably more variable. Got it. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll make sure I tell my friends to, to temper their enthusiasm a little bit, right? All right. Uh, why don't we talk a little bit about next week? Uh, Gary, tell me what you think the big story in healthcare uh, will be uh, in the week ahead. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it, it's going to be the governor's opening the states. That seems like it's the big story. We're seeing that there's uh, likely to be a surge in the south, so strictly from uh, treating COVID patients, that will be a story. Um, I 
imagine that um, we're going through in hospitals where there are hot zones. Uh, how are the caregivers going to treat all this? I mean, there's a lot of stress on these people. Uh, there's going to be some reactions to that stress. Hopefully they can uh, kind of come down from the top of the mountain of, uh, of uh, the kind of stress that they've been at and, and do that without a lot of, uh, of uh, problems. But uh, one imagines this is going to be a big issue for the hospitals to handle uh, these caregivers that have been uh, under such a stressful uh, condition. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dave, Dave, what's your prediction for the big story in healthcare next week? Well, I'm, I'm going to stick with the vaccine uh, theme of this week's program and just make the observation that this video pandemic uh, that went viral to me is a very troubling development. Uh, it's an anti-vaccine um, conspiracy theory about uh, coronavirus. And it went mainstream and over 8 million people have, uh, have viewed it. And it just eats away at the um, edges of what leaders can do to establish trust and credibility. Uh, also, just this morning, we heard that the Washington State um, unemployment process has been hacked and they've lost several uh, millions of dollars, even tens of millions of dollars, which again, uh, the ability of leaders to communicate with the public is absolutely paramount at this point in time. And yet the level of distrust is exceptionally high. So I think we're going to continue to see that tension working its way through and places that have higher degrees of trust with their leaders will do better than those that don't. And, and that's going to be a theme that we should uh, pay careful attention to. Great. Now, I'll just add one thing to that is uh, stay out of Wisconsin. <laughs> that could be a whole a whole nother, whole nother episode. Well, you know, Dave, you and I live in Illinois. I've, I've got a little postcard on my desk of uh, a cow running flat out. It's both uh, front legs out bat legs out, sweat going off its brow, and uh, the caption underneath is escaping Wisconsin. And uh, there's never been a better reason to escape Wisconsin than what's going on there right now. Rather parochial point of view, gentlemen. Yes. <laughs> of course, it's easy for me. I'm out here in Connecticut. What do I know about the Midwest? <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, that's all we have time for today. Uh, as always, uh, we appreciate your comments and your insights. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed today, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.